It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook where we post all of our episodes. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, anywhere you find podcasts. You can find Locked On Packers, the show for Packers fans who know what happened. They want to know why and how. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that at 920-341-3775. And we will get to your questions this week. There was a couple of really good ones that I wanted to highlight and, and touch on some things that we didn't get a chance to touch on this week. Sort of a, a, a clustered and congested week because of the fallout from what happened on Sunday and where Mike McCarthy is with this organization, where he might be going, obviously, is, is the salient question for our purposes. But we should start with what's going on on Sunday and, and where this team is health-wise Um, It it does seem like things are moving in the right direction for a couple important players. David Bakhtiari was able to do more in practice yesterday than they thought he would be able to do, so I think he's trending in the right direction. Uh, Kevin King was able to practice in a limited basis all week. Randall Cobb uh, getting close. Sounds like he's ready. He was the one that said um, he felt like Rodgers was getting ready to light some people up. I got a note about that. Why is Rodgers saying he's going to light people up? Why didn't he just light them up all season? No, no. Randall Cobb said that. Not going to call out who it was, but Cobb said it. And he seems really excited to be back. And I think that would be a huge piece for this offense and what they're able to do attacking the middle of the field in particular on third down where the team has been absolutely god-awful relative to what their talent says they should be. So this is an opportunity to... I think make a pretty big impact with a player who may not be in the long-term plans of this team, but who this season at the very least could really, really help them. Kentrell Bryce is still in concussion protocol. He is not going to play on Sunday. Mike Daniels, I don't know that we should expect to see him the rest of the season. Trevor Davis out, Raven Green out. Lane Taylor practiced all week. He's questionable. I would expect he is going to play. Equinemia St. Brown Uh, limited all week, but then not even listed on the injury report. So he had that elbow uh, that he was dealing with. Hopefully he's able to play because if if neither he nor Cobb can go, uh, that leaves them perilously thin at receiver. And they'd have to play a lot more two tight ends, and that hurts with Jimmy Graham already dealing with his thumb injury. So 
uh, this team this team is going to need some of those offensive pieces if they're going to get hot down the stretch here. Two other uh, names I mentioned: Kevin King, but Bashad Breland also practiced on Thursday. He he was shown as limited on Friday, but remember they don't practice on Friday, so that is a projected participation. And I, I think much more likely Kevin King comes back for this game. But remember, Kevin King is dealing with a hamstring injury, that's soft tissue. Bashad Breland is dealing with a groin injury, that's soft tissue. They shouldn't need those guys this week. Not against Josh Rosen, not against this group of receivers. Christian Kirk's a nice player, but he's a rookie. And Larry Fitzgerald, I'm not going to say anything bad about Larry Fitzgerald. Larry Fitzgerald has had an incredible career. He can still be a useful player, but... Josh Rosen should not be able to slice and dice this team. You look at last week, the Packers secondary with Josh Jackson, Jair Alexander, and Tony Brown as the primary corners held Minnesota to 24 points at home against an inferior receiving group, a much inferior quarterback, and, and a similar offensive line. This defense should be able to hold up. Now, if Kevin King can play, he should play. But this team should be able to beat Arizona without that happening, especially because the defense is is not nearly what Minnesota has, especially as a pass rush group. And we heard it in our crossover episode yesterday. Despite what the ratings say about how good this Cardinals defense is, they did just give up a near-perfect game from Phillip Rivers. So I think Green Bay is going to be able to create some turnovers. I think this might be the week that Josh Jackson gets off the interception schneid. I think he's going to get a turnover. And I think this defense can play well enough, even with their guys. They have to be looking at this now, where if we want to evaluate Kevin King, forget the playoffs. Forget the the chase for the playoffs. If they want to evaluate these players, if they want to see can Kevin King be a legitimate dude for us, they should want to do that with him healthy. And they shouldn't need him to win on Sunday. So if he's not 100%, it's not a playoff game. He doesn't need to play. So Aaron Rodgers is going to play. Practiced all week on the injury report. But he's going to play. That should be enough. Like I said, Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones. That should be enough. They should win. Period. And speaking of winning, if you want to win some money gambling on football or any sport, you should be doing it at my Bookie. There are so many sites out there competing for your business. Why not choose one that's been in business for years, has great online reviews, and a terrific, easy-to-use mobile site? They have live in-game betting, over-unders on fantasy points, so you don't need any kind of special knowledge to win money at MyBookie. And they've got the fastest payouts and the best player perks in the business. And here's the great thing. MyBookie right now... They want to pay you to make a deposit after 7 p.m. So when you use the promo code LOCKEDON25, after 7 p.m., you get an additional $25 in free play on any deposit over $100. That's in addition to the dollar-for-dollar deposit bonus they're going to to match for you up to $1,000. That's free money, and they want to give it to you. If you're going to deposit anyway, and you should, do it after 7 p.m. Use the promo code LOCKDOWN25 to get that extra $25 in free play because at MyBookie, you play, you win, you get paid. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's killer bread. 
I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed-coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason. It tastes so stinking good. Dave's Killer Bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-GMO ingredients and is power-packed with whole grains, fiber, and protein. Visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for Dave's Killer Bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store. All right, I, I'm really, I'm really interested in this first question. Hello, Peter. What's happening? From Charlie and Bozeman. Hey, Peter. Why don't the Packers run more route combinations between the numbers? We saw in the last game how Thielen ran a, ran a shallow drag across the entire field to get open and catch a ball on Jair. MVS and EQ should be running those all day. Why is Mike McCarthy's offense chosen to avoid the middle of the field since Finley retired? Well. I don't think it's the Finley retirement that is the inciting incident here. I think there are a couple factors, and I talked about this on Twitter the other day. Number one, Green Bay has been the least aggressive team in football, by a large margin, in fact, attacking the middle of the field this season. And in a season where the Rams and the Chiefs and the Saints and these good offenses are killing teams by attacking the middle of the field, it is just anachronistic the way this offense looks. It is just a relic. And and there are there it is not just schematic. Okay, so number one, the, the player that Aaron Rodgers trusts the most and maybe only on this offense is Devontae Adams. Well, he has run a lot of boundary routes. And that's fine because he's really good and he can make those plays and he has the best release in football right now. But he's also one of the best in-breaking route runners in the league. I'm talking slants. I'm talking drags. I'm talking digs. I'm talking posts. He kills guys running across the middle of the field. Always has, always will. He's not being used there. The second part of this is Aaron Rodgers and his faith in his pass catchers. EQ and MVS, a lot of the routes in the middle of the field are timing routes. You're talking about slants, you're talking about digs, you're talking usually about combination routes, and that requires precision and timing. And that's just something that these rookies and and the continuity with Rodgers just isn't there yet. It's much easier to say, okay, we got one-on-one on the outside, I'm going to go try and make this play there. That's the easier play. The, the middle of the field is much more muddled. You have to have a lot more confidence in your guys to attack there. I think also you look at Jimmy Graham, his injury and his inability to make an impact consistently is another reason they're not able to attack the middle of the field. It should be. I mean, Charlie's absolutely right. EQ and MVS are built to attack the middle of the field. And a a Twitter follower of mine pointed to a piece after the 2015 season where Mike McCarthy talked about losing Jordy Nelson and, and the impact of that in the middle of the field, a size issue, a speed issue, and a reliability issue. Well, they have the size and the speed. What they don't have, they believe, is reliability. Rodgers is not believing that these guys are getting to where they need to be, which is to say they're not consistently. 
And Jimmy Graham just hasn't been the impact player in the middle of the field we thought he would be. That's not to say that he is physically washed. He can still run. But he's he's not life is not easy for him in this offense consistently. They've, they've done it at times. You look at early in the season against Minnesota, Jimmy Graham had some great plays and was open. And you look at what they did to get him open against San Francisco. He can still do those things. But it, it does seem like th- there is a disconnect between what is what is what this team wants to do and what it is actually able to do, and and the plays that are being called. Now, we we haven't discussed this, and I think it's worth talking about this piece that was in Sports Illustrated about the fall and the decline of the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy, and it sounds like that this has been a pissing match for a long time, and that at this point, it has become adversarial. For a long time, the tension was competitive, it was healthy, and it motivated them. Now it seems like it has crossed over into something much more full of animus and that Rodgers is changing a lot of the plays at the line of scrimmage such that Mike McCarthy can't get in a rhythm. And when you have this back and forth, and, and by the way, that's because Rodgers doesn't think McCarthy is a very good play caller. And I think there's there's evidence to suggest that's true. But at this point, we don't know how, how much better this offense would be if, if Rodgers just ran every play McCarthy called. And the fact that these plays are being changed means McCarthy is not in the same kind of rhythm. He has a plan. And they go over that plan with Rodgers. But then when the live bullets are flying on the field, Rodgers has to do what he thinks is best. So how much of this is is Rodgers calling plays for Aaron Jones and Devontae Adams and Jimmy Graham when he's changing them? we We can't know that. But I do think Randall Cobb coming back could be a boost for them in terms of attacking the middle of the field. That long game-winning touchdown against the Bears was on a route in the middle of the field. That is still a place Randall Cobb has has done some damage. And when you look at when, where they are, they've been really effective when they have targeted the middle of the field. They just haven't done it enough. And Geronimo Allison has made plays in the middle of the field. And, and EQ... I mean that long that long big play against the Lions that set up the field goal at the end of the game that was on a crosser. That was on a drag route where he came all the way across the formation, Rodgers hit him and it was a catch and run situation. I would love to see them use Marquez Valdez-Scantling's speed that way. It was something I said about Jeff Janis. I don't care that that he can't run a comeback or he can't run a sail route or he can't run some of these more nuanced routes. Can he run across the field really really fast? Yeah. So then put him out there. I know Marquez Valdez-Scantling is not a nuanced a nuanced route runner at this point in his career, but he's really fast and really big, and teams have to respect that. They have to account for that. So at the very least, run him across the middle of the field to open something up and and dump the ball to Aaron Jones or to Jimmy Graham, or you know, there's there's so many combinations that they could be using in the middle of the field that they just aren't, and I, I really don't have a good reason as to why that's happening. And, and speaking of. Here's a question that that dovetails with that a little bit. Hello, Peter. What's happening? Where is Joe Philbin? Does he play a part anymore? If McCarthy is dropping the ball on play calling, why not give Rodgers the clipboard? Drop some plays based on the rookie's strengths and then hand the clipboard back to McCarthy. Fourth down should always be Rodgers' call. Now, thoughts? Aaron from Illinois. A couple things here. If there is, as, as the report in Sports Illustrated suggested, a rift... And, and that it stems from, in part, credit for this offense. 
and Mike McCarthy doesn't like Aaron Rodgers calling plays, then the hurry-up offense and handing the offense over to Aaron Rodgers is just not an option for McCarthy in his stubbornness. And being more collaborative with Mike McCarthy is clearly not uh, in the cards for Aaron Rodgers. That time has passed. They've done it. Okay, so the, the question is, why can't Aaron Rodgers do what every other quarterback does with his coach? He did. And he did for a long time, and it worked, and they won a Super Bowl. At a certain point, you lose faith in your coach when he does not adapt, and you look around, and Patrick Mahomes is on pace to throw 100 touchdowns, and you, you know you can't even get you're not even you're not might not even get at the end of the season to what Patrick Mahomes is at now. With all the talent on this team, it's hard to blame Rodgers for feeling like he doesn't believe in the plan when it comes to what Mike McCarthy is doing to the point that there was a quote in that SI piece that literally said, I don't think Rodgers will be mad that this is coming out. He is frustrated and he wants people to know he is frustrated, which to me means he wants Mark Murphy to know that he's frustrated and he wants there to be public sentiment driving this to get a new head coach because he is feeling the grips of the sands of time in the hourglass, and he should. But to this point about Joe Philbin, I think Joe Philbin has done a lot to help with some of the scheme and to bring some creativity. I think some of the play calling is still wonky, but I think a lot of the schemes are good. It is the application of those schemes, and when those plays are called, it seems like they've become a boomer bust offense where everything now they want to do is down the field or is just is two yards in the line of scrimmage. And I just don't think that's a that's with Aaron Rodgers, that's not the way you should be playing. That's how you play with Jared Goff. Or that's how you play with a young quarterback where you just say, okay, we're going to take five, six shots a game. And then everything else, we're going to try and create some stuff underneath. The, the Rams do a great job with receiver screens. It's my mom's least favorite play in football. She hates it. But the Rams are really good at it. And if you're really good at it, it can be an effective high percentage play. But Aaron Rodgers doesn't need those gimme throws. He can make throws all over the field. Give him those opportunities and let him go. They haven't been able. It's the intermediate stuff that they've that where they've really um, struggled, and I think that is huge with the inconsistency and lack of continuity with the rookies. And because those are the routes that they're running, that's where they are. Because Devontae Adams. He's the guy that they want to get the ball down the field to because he can cook a corner. I mean, that throw Rodgers, Rodgers had a couple throws against Minnesota where Devontae Adams torched Xavier Rhodes down the field and Rodgers just missed it. And that's part of the problem is if you're going to take these shot plays, it, you know, you're going to miss some of them. They're, they're lower percentage throws. For Rodgers, in the middle of the field, some of these these routes that he's used to throwing, I mean, you go back and watch this offense in 9, 10, 11, 12, he's throwing to open guys. That's not the case right now. And in the middle of the field, if you're throwing to not open guys, the likelihood of you turning the ball over is much greater. Now, Rodgers has said that he wants to take a few more risks, and I think he should let it fly. But the fact that he has always been a risk-averse quarterback when it comes to turning the ball over, and let's make a distinction here between just being risk-averse and being risk-averse turning the ball over. Rodgers wants to take shots. He's an aggressive quarterback. He wants to push the ball down the field, maybe to his detriment. But he doesn't want to throw the ball where he thinks there's a high probability of it being intercepted. And when you don't always believe your receivers are going to be where they should be, 
it's hard to have faith to try and squeeze a ball in. He'll throw a tight window pass to Jordy Nelson or James Jones or Devontae Adams, even to Geronimo Allison or Randall Cobb. He doesn't quite have that same faith in these other guys, for better or for worse. All right, before we get to our last break, let's let's hear from Paul in Orlando. Hello, Peter. What's happening? This is Paul from Orlando. It's all the talk of uh, Mike McCarthy being sent somewhere. Why don't we make a statement now and just get rid of uh, Ron Zuck? Our special teams has been completely a fa- failure, and uh, we'd just like to see a change and maybe some life on special teams if, if nowhere else. Thanks, and I'll stay locked on. Go Packers. So the thing about special teams is, in some ways, it's kind of who cares. And I don't mean to say that it's not important in the game. I mean, if Mike McCarthy is gone, Ron Zook is definitely gone. I, there's just, it's much harder when you look at, you know, a team like this and you say, okay, Ron Zook is going to be out. Well, what changes? I mean, maybe they put a tight end or a running back in the kickoff, what used to be the wedge rather than Lucas Patrick. How much does that really make a difference? And over the last five weeks, how much is that really going to move the needle? Would it send a message? Maybe. Would it screw up continuity? For sure. This is not a situation where you're going to replace your offensive coordinator with the quarterback's coach, who at the very least is going to run a lot of the same plays. You're just hoping is going to be able to dial up the right ones at the right times, maybe make some adjustments that that have needed to be made. This is all just about execution. And that's been the case for this team all season. Uh, they just haven't executed what they're supposed to be doing out there. And, and yes, putting Lucas Patrick on the kickoff return is a hole in scheme insofar as that is not something that the rest of the league is doing. They've figured out that it just doesn't make sense. But that's not going to change the world for the Green Bay Packers. Trevor Davis being hurt now, you have to go back to Tremont Williams, who actually had a nice return against Minnesota that wasn't called back. Kind of a miracle. Uh, so, you know, that's, that's interesting. I, I think as long as the punting, by the way, JK Scott was the best Packer on the field on Sunday. Uh, Mason Crosby, I think, you know, you're, you're going to be fine with, with that. So as long as the kicking game is okay, and I don't think your special teams coach really has that much impact on stuff like that, then it's not worth making a change in the middle of the season. It doesn't help really because the, the the context of that move is not the same as as making a change at offensive or defensive coordinator. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. There's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel, and that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long wait. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. This episode is brought to you by Shell. 
College football is best enjoyed at home. You know, the home that has no rooms because it's a stadium of 70,000 screaming fans. But wherever you are, ESPN and Shell can take your fandom further with savings up to 15 cents per gallon for Fuel Rewards members at Shell. Welcome home, football fans. Terms and conditions apply. See FuelRewards.com slash FuelYourFandom for details. Shell is an official sponsor of ESPN College Football. ESPN, the ESPN logo, and ESPN College Football are registered trademarks of ESPN Incorporated. All right, I want to finish up on this. Hey, Peter, Brock from Fox Lake, Wisconsin here. I don't think it's crazy to ask Carolina and Seattle both to lose two more games given their schedule, putting them at 9-7. and seven. Can you give me any hope that the Pack can run the table and get to 9-6-1? and one? Love the show, and it gets me through the second shift struggle. Shout out to Brock for working second shift. I used to work second shift at a plastics factory for a summer. Uh, I actually, it, it was great for someone. I mean, I was 18 and it was great for an 18-year-old who wanted to sleep late. But to to Brock's actual question here, uh, I, I don't think it's crazy either. Uh, Carolina and, and Seattle each have uh, some difficult games coming up. In fact, I, I said this earlier in the week, the, the New York Times upshot projection model says if Green Bay can win out, if they get to 9-6-1, and one, they get in because they're, they're 9-6-1 and one is basically... 10 and 6 for all intents and purposes because a team has to get to 10 to pass them. 9 wins is not going to pass them for any team out there. Carolina, okay? They still they just they've lost 3 straight including getting their asses kicked by Pittsburgh. Then they lose to Detroit. They lose to Seattle. They have Tampa this week. That's not a that's not a gimme win. They have to go to Cleveland who's suddenly playing much better. They've got the Saints weeks 15, and now that the Saints have lost, it is possible that that week 17, because the, the Panthers finish Saints-Falcons at New Orleans, that week 17 game, they may have to win to get a first-round bye. Let's say that game could really mean something for them in terms of NFC playoff seating if they lose it's possible that that they would lose that first round bye or home field advantage throughout the playoffs. They have to they they are going to have to win that game, which means they're going to have to try to win that game, which means Carolina could be in trouble. Now the Seahawks have the 49ers twice. So that's nice. Packer fans are going to be big Vikings fans in week 14 when Minnesota goes to Seattle. Desperately want the Vikings to win that game. And you really want the Kansas City Chiefs to win in week 16, but they go to Seattle as well. So one of two things need to happen between Carolina, Minnesota, and and Seattle. One of those teams, if both Seattle and Carolina lose twice more and Green Bay wins out, they're probably going to get in. Minnesota has this tough game against the Patriots this weekend. If they lose that one, there are still enough games on their schedule that they could lose where they could fall to just 8 and 8 or or 8 7 and 1 whatever it is. So the 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 context could change for what's going to happen in week 14, but in all likelihood what you want is Minnesota to get that fifth wild card because they have the head-to-head tiebreaker with the tie. That's why this is complicated. And and you want Dallas to sort of roll to the NFC East title now because Philly looks wonky, Washington looks done, and so you need one, you need just one team from the NFC East. This gets a little complicated, but but stick with me. The Eagles already have six losses. 
So if they lose one more time, they're basically done relative to Green Bay. The, the Washington team is starting Colt McCoy. They already have five losses. Them losing two more seems pretty likely down the stretch. So that means the Cowboys can can win this division, and that wouldn't that be fun? A rematch. Green Bay goes nine six and one. They get in uh, on a, on a hope and a prayer, and they go to Dallas again in a playoff game after a run the table situation. We all know what can happen when those are the stakes. So still plenty to play for. There is there. I'm not going to say the season is still out in front of them, but win this week. I mean, Roger said it. Win this week, then win the next week, then beat the Bears, then beat the Jets, then beat the Lions. I mean, that, that is the formula. And I think if they go five and zero, they they have a better chance. I think of going five and zero than they have of having everything break right and getting them into the playoffs. But I am I am not pessimistic about their chances if they go 5-0. I'm pretty optimistic about their chances going 5-0. I'm not super optimistic about their chances to go 5-0, which is a, which is a distinction. So you can't go 5-0 if you don't go 1-0. So they have to win on Sunday, and I think they will. I think they take care of business, and hopefully they can do it uh, and, and get and stay relatively healthy. So that is that is the priority. Win the game and get out healthy, just like an exhibition game. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Uh, subscribe to the show. Rate us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked on Packers. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, and be a part of one of our Friday shows where we answer your questions and are a part of this wonderful community of Packers fans, you can do that at 920-341-3775 to show that you are staying locked on Packers.